bad feeling about this. It wasn't funny, man. What have we done? What are you looking at, butthead? Get some coffee. Get some coffee. Game on, old friend. Hey guys, gals, Martians, Klingons, Vulcans, and all in between, welcome to another episode of Cinephile Saturdays. It's your buddy, always collecting something other known as Steve, here to talk Tarantino. Let's do this shit. Great, we're so fucking professional. Got a fucking clipboard from Bro. Alright, so uh, anyways, this episode is brought to you by Hashtag Razor Streamer. If uh, you enjoy this episode, which I hope you do because you come here and check it out, head on over to www.nerdcon11.com, check out our stuff, and uh, yeah, all of our content's there, you can find all of our links, and um, yeah, let's get started here. So today we are going to be discussing, out of Quentin Tarantino's nine films, uh, since we got the formula down and I always talk way too fucking much to finish anything, I'm going to rattle off my top favorite six movies of his, break it down, chat about that with you uh, lovely viewers and listeners. Yeah, we got uh, audio only now, right? Yeah, and listeners. Okay, cool. Um, so I know I said I did it. I was going to do it last week and I didn't, but I will put the whole list of all nine of his movies in case you're not certain in my order of favorites. And I will be posting that within the hour of the episode finishing so you can come back and check it out because, well, why wouldn't you, right? Love you guys. All right, so starting us off is going to be The Hateful Eight from 2015 starring Samuel L. Jackson as Major Marcus Warren. Kurt Russell as John Ruth the Hangman. Walton Goggins, one of my favorite actors, as Sheriff Chris Mannix. Jennifer Jason Leigh as Daisy Domergue. Uh, Damien Bashir as Bob and Tim Roth as Oswaldo Mowbray. There is a shit ton more people in this movie, but like I only have so much space on my little cards. So, um, when this movie came out, I was upset that I didn't end up seeing it in movie theaters because I was nervous about watching new Tarantino stuff because how obsessed I was with his older stuff. But um, when it came out. Bought it, watched it, instantly my favorite Tarantino movie. Everything about it is just just so perfect. Um, when a couple of years ago they came out with the extended edition, which has like 40 extra minutes of footage that was cut from the original cut, added in. Um, I think it's only on Netflix right now. So much more of a full movie. Like I know a lot of the times that they do those cuts where they add in the uh, extra shit and it's just boring, dumb, uh, you know, pick up shots and everything. No, 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 no. It flows so much better as a three hour and 42 minute movie. If you can watch the extended edition, watch the extended edition. Honestly, I'm going to say to me, Samuel L. Jackson's best performance him as Major Marquess Warren was just perfection from him as an actor. Um, honestly, everybody did amazing. I loved, I love Kurt Russell to begin with. So, I mean, how can you not? It's Kurt fucking Russell. The man is a god and um, a legend uh, and in quite a bit of Tarantino stuff lately. So, um, well, not lately, has been for a bit since like 2000. Yeah, 
Um, so this movie originally was supposed to be uh, featuring Django from Django Unchained, but um, I dropped my pen. Uh, Quentin Tarantino honestly ended up writing him out um, simply because he could not figure out a proper reason why he would be there and he just didn't want to shove him into the movie for no reason. But even though that still happened, there are still quite a few references um, to Django because of it. Um, when we first see Marger, uh, Major Marquess Warren sitting on the pile of three corpses, uh, the uh, horse saddle he's sitting on is Django's horse saddle from Django Unchained. Um, as well as in Minnie's Haberdashery, they show a green vest hanging over a chair, which was Django's vest from Django Unchained. Uh, the actual uh, props and uh, you know wardrobe, um, but that was uh, confirmed by Sam Jackson and Quentin Tarantino, and I think Jennifer Jason Leigh. Um, so I love me a good old western type film, which this real good like classic cowboy who done it like a lot of things rolled in i know that quentin tarantino's biggest cinematic influences for it were the thing from 1982 also starring kurt russell um which is funny because um Inicio, i think it's Inicio. i forget his last name because i can't pronounce it um he scored the film the thing and he also scored this film this film has several pieces uh, compositions that were unused film score that he wrote for the thing that he ended up using for this, which, um, and also Reservoir Dogs. I know using your own film is odd, but considering that at his, the point in his career, like he's kind of always built off of that, and that's the one movie that's really stayed with him as a director that he did, um, which I mean, like, Reservoir Dogs was amazing. Everything about that was just perfectly shot. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be like dick riding Quentin Tarantino this whole time because I think his shit is perfect to me. So, uh, get ready for that. Um, if you disagree, say something in the comments and uh, we'll have a friendly chat. Whatever, you know? Um, so, da, 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 da. lost my fucking place. You know, so I could honestly probably fill a whole episode <laughs> talking just about this movie. So, um, Nick, make sure you're keeping track of me on this one, man. I remember I'm going to ramble, so don't let me ramble too much. Around the 10 minute mark for every uh, movie, try to, you know, get me to segue even if I'm not done because I want to get all six of these in and actually finish a whole list I have prepared. Minute and a half for your uh, first 10 minutes. Minute and a half in or a minute and a half left? Your first 10 minutes left. Oh, oh left shit, man. God. Okay. So, um, well, if it runs over a little bit, it runs over a little bit. Whatever. <laughs> All right. So, um, favorite scene of mine. Uh, I got a couple. Uh, definitely the ending to the movie was done real perfect. It's very, uh, Hamlet. Every, everybody dies. It's Hamlet everybody dies in, right? Yeah, everybody dies. Everybody dies. If you haven't seen it, sorry, it's five years old. Spoiler, whatever. Um, 
Another one that's a big one for me is when uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh's character, Daisy Domergu, is singing um, uh, that Botany Bay song. I forget the actual name of it completely. Um, and uh, she's using this really old vintage Martin guitar uh, that they were using just for her to play on. And they, then John Ruth comes up, Kurt Russell's character, grabs the guitar after she starts talking shit in the lyrics and uh, how he's going to die and she'll be down in Mexico. And he smashes the shit out of it against uh, this support beam inside Minnie's haberdashery. And uh, the reason this one became one of my favorites, I liked it then because it was just so like... The tone was just like, da, 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 and that just like it was like a car crash just happening, and uh, Daisy Domergue freaks out, and um, uh, the reason that she freaks out is because they were supposed to switch out the guitar for a remodel for him to destroy, and he didn't know that he wasn't supposed to smash on that take, so. In the movie, he's smashing a $40,000, 145-year-old, irreplaceable Martin guitar, which he's actually, you know, in interviews, you know, gone on and said that he actually teared up about because of how bad he felt because he fucked up. And uh, uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh was actually going to end up paying for it out of her own pocket. And she thought that they said it was only $4,000, but it turned out it was $40,000. And she's like, ha, <laughs> ha. Um, but the, the good and the bad thing is the Martin guitar did through insurance get the cost of the guitar and the value, but like they said, they're never going to be renting out guitars to Hollywood ever again after that because they weren't aware that that was going to happen and that, you know, a lot of things. So, you know, shit happens. Um, do... Oh, I talked about that too. Wonderful. All right, so let's move on down the line. Steve's second favorite Quentin Tarantino film, Pulp Fiction, from 1996, directed by Quentin Tarantino. I'm not going to say any of that every single time, so you know who directed it. Anyways, it's starring John Travolta as Vincent Vega, Uma Thurman as Mia Wallace, Sam Jackson as Jules Winfield, uh, Bruce Willis as Butch Coolidge, Ving Rhames as Marcellus Wallace, Eric Stoltz as Lance. You got uh, Christopher Walken has a cameo in it. Um, um, oh man, Harvey Keitel's got a cameo as the Wolf. Um, when they say star packed, it's fucking. The, this is the movie they're talking about. All star cast, just perfection and cinematic beauty. Everything about the film is just a flawless representation of me of how fucking Hollywood should be doing shit. I absolutely love it. Um, so, you know, um, God, it's so hard to describe some of Quentin Tarantino's movies because it's just an experience you have to see. Um, so I can't really talk about it too much. But um, so Vincent Vega drives this um 64 malibu convertible in it that car actually belonged to quentin tarantino which during filming was stolen um and then uh like 20 years later a cop catches some kids some young kids breaking into a car 
runs the VIN number on the car, finds out the VIN number has been changed, Quentin Tarantino's car. The guy who bought it had absolutely no idea he had just bought it recently, so that thing's probably just been cycled around after being repainted and the VIN number changed, um, which is ridiculous. So um, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, and probably a lot of people's favorite scenes in the movie, is the adrenaline scene with uh, Eric Stoltz and uh, Vincent Vega giving Mia Wallace the hot shot to <gasps> pop her up after she just, you know, free-lined a bag of heroin that she thought was cocaine. Um, so they filmed that entire scene in reverse. So he actually, when they filmed it, he was pulling it out of her chest and they just did it backwards like that. So then when they shot it, they did it forward and they, you know, stabbed it in. You can actually, if you pay attention, the mark on her chest disappears at one point because of how they had, they did, they did it and everything. Um, which is cool because I always wondered how the hell they did that. Like, you know, stab this big ass needle into her and everything. So like they did the scene, you know, where they, she freaked out and everything. And then they, you know, pulled it out of her and stuff. Um, ridiculous. I, 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 I would never honestly expect, like, if you don't like pay attention and notice that mark disappearing, honestly, you would just think it was an editing fuck up. If I, if, if that's honestly what I would have chalked it up to, if I didn't see, Yo, this fact come up in my years of watching movies and looking into stupid shit. Um, so, fun fact about the movie. It only cost $8 million to make, but it ended up uh, making $200 million in theaters. And I'm sure it, like, you know, went on to make even more than that. I've never looked up uh, exactly how much it's made, but... Um, so I, I I really liked. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a huge John Travolta fan. Um, I definitely uh, love him as one of my favorite characters in the movie because it was definitely his best performance as an actor to me. Um, probably in general, I've seen a couple other of his movies. You know, a good handful over the years, and like they're not bad. Um, good in Face Off. So. Uh, I was sad when he died um, in the movie uh, when Butch finally gets him when uh, he's waiting in his, in his apartment. Um, fun fact about that, it's actually been mentioned by Quentin Tarantino that uh, when Vincent Vega's talking about somebody keying his Malibu, uh, you know, as soon as he got it out of the, the, the shop in there, um, I think it was, yeah, uh, that was confirmed to actually have been Butch after Butch... Uh, Actually, I don't know when the hell he did it. Now that I think about it, it didn't fucking say. But Quentin Tarantino definitely has said that Butch was the one that keyed his car. Um, about where it lines up, I don't fucking know. But who the hell knows? There was probably some point or you know, it was just a fun thing to say. But, um... So, I remember when I first was watching this when I was younger... The, the scene, like, everything was kind of kind of weird. I didn't get exactly why it was out of order, but it was still just a cool, fascinating movie to me. Um, and it had a lot of people that I liked, you know, in it. Who the hell? Jackson and John Travolta 
and just everybody that's in the movie. Phil Mars in the movie as a character. When oh my god, when he gets his head shot off, when Marvin gets his head blown off when they're talking about everything in the car. That right there is just fucking gold. Oh, it must have been a bump. You hit a bump, man. I didn't hit a bump. <laughs> oh man, I felt so bad for Marvin, man. Like, he wasn't even going to die, probably. And then, you know, he actually gets shot in the face, you know, talking about shit. But, um, I still think to this day that Pulp Fiction has one of the best intros of any movie where they go through, uh, um, Tim Roth's character, uh, and I'm having such a such a brain fart for some reason. You know, Honey Bunny and them uh, talking about robbing the place, and she just hops up on the counter. You know, if any one of you motherfuckers move, I'll execute every last one of ya. Um, I just fucked that line up, and that's okay because I'm exhausted as shit. But I'm still here doing this, guys. Um, <laughs> but um. I did fuck that move, that lineup, honestly. I've seen the goddamn movie so many times. I can't even remember how many times I've seen these movies. But, um... Alright, guys. So, um... We're gonna take a quick break in our program to hear from our sponsor. And then I'll be back talking to you lovely people. Hey guys, and we are back. Today we are talking about Tarantino. Uh, so, um, if you uh, missed us before the break, we were just talking about The Hateful Eight and Pulp Fiction, uh, my top two favorite Quentin Tarantino movies. Um, we're going to be moving on down the line to Django Unchained from 2012, starring Jamie Foxx as Django, uh, Christoph Waltz as Dr. King Schultz, Leonardo DiCaprio as Calvin Candy. Uh, Carrie Washington as Broomhilda Von Shaft, uh, Sam Jackson as Steven, and Walton Goggins as Billy Crash. Um, God, I love Walton Goggins. All I ever can picture whenever I see him is his character Venus, um, the, uh, transsexual or transgender, uh, prostitute from Sons of Anarchy, which is... Next to Chris Mannix, it's definitely my favorite role of his because I was just so not expecting it when all of a sudden it's just like, bam, Walton Goggins shows up with tits in this like one, like this little like leotard thing. Like, oh my God, it was so great. That was just, that man has such a range in acting and I love it. I love it. He's fucking priceless. That, that, it's just, end of story. Walton Goggins is a shit. Okay, so, um, I guess Django Unchained is kind of an easy movie to describe. So, uh, Jamie Foxx, who plays Django, is a slave who ends up getting freed by, uh, Dr. King Schultz, played by Christoph Waltz, uh, so that he can help him track down, um, these three brothers that used to work at the, uh, Karukin Plantation that Django, um, was sold from uh oh great thing james remar plays one of the slavers in the beginning if you're not familiar with him he was dexter's dad 
Um, he was also in the Warriors back in the day. James Remar has been in everything. Um, that's what I love about Tarantino movies. He peppers in these just amazing cameos by just fucking primetime actors that have just been in so many things over the years that they're just got it down pat. I, I love it. I love it. He always has great cameos. But, um, so, uh, you know, they end up catching them. You know, he frees Django. They team up. Django wants to find his wife, who was sold separately from the Karukin plantation. Uh, old man Karukin, played by Bruce Dern, um, who, uh, his daughter's Laura Dern, who was, uh, Ellie in Jurassic Park, as well as a million other wonderful things in her career. She is primo as well. Love that lady. Um, so, you know, they end up finding she's at, uh, you know, Candyland, which is this huge mega plantation, uh, you know, involved in Mandingo fights and the buying, selling, trading the slaves, la, 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 la. Uh, I guess it's like Disneyland for slavers, you know, huge, giant, fucking over the top, uh, which it is. Um, this right here to me is Leonardo DiCaprio's hands down best role. I don't know how he didn't win a fucking award for this. I'm glad he finally did for The Revenant because that was an amazing movie and we'll get into that when I have my Leonardo DiCaprio episode. Stick, Stay tuned for that sometime in the future. I don't know when. I'll figure it out. Uh, upcoming uh, next week is the start of my Halloween month of horror. Uh, all Cinephile Saturdays, all five of them during the month of October will be horror themed so get ready for steve's favorite month of the year coming up anyway so um fun fact about the movie leonardo dicaprio had to stop multiple times during the movie during filming because of how uncomfortable he felt using so many derogatory racial slurs like, he was real uncomfortable. Like, there's actually a deleted scene where he just broke character and was just like, I, I, this, this is, this is fine. I, I just, just, like, he just, like, could not. I gotta look up that scene, actually. But, uh, Sam Jackson pulled him aside and was just like, look, motherfucker, this is just another Tuesday for us. Get your shit together. So, um, yeah, you know, it's just like, that's the character you gotta play, you know? It's the first time he actually played a villain since, um, Man in the Iron Mask. So, uh, he wasn't exactly, like I said, very comfortable with it, but Quentin Tarantino was just like, look, you know, if you don't go all out with this, people will hate you for it. You have to play evil. And that's what he came off was. It was great. Actually, one of my favorite scenes is, um, where it really shows testament that he is an amazing actor. When, uh, it finally comes out that, uh, Django and Dr. Schultz aren't there to buy a Mandingo to get into the fighting and that they're just trying to get Django's wife and that they're going to take her for 300 bucks and then not come back and pay the $12,000 for this big bulky fighter that they wanted, they, they thought he wanted to buy. Um, you know, he freaks out and there's this one point where he smashes his hand on a table and he was just supposed to smash it on the table, but he ended up sta uh, smashing it down onto some glass stemware. And um, he didn't break character. He just kept going for the scene. You can actually see him picking uh, glass out of his hand in the scene. And it was such a good performance. I mean, hands down, I was so just in fucking awe 
of how good this scene was and how well he did finding this out. But then, uh, you know, finding out that like Quentin Tarantino was so impressed with the take that that's the one he left in the film. And when the scene ended, Leonardo DiCaprio apparently got a standing ovation from the entire cast and crew, which I'm not surprised by. I would give the man a goddamn standing ovation every single time I watched the movie because of that. But, you know, even at the same time, like, just, wow, God, like, how the fuck do you smash your hand into glass drinking stemware like a big old fucking flute? for champagne and just like not even like have a second thought of like breaking this weird crazy southern slaver that you've just got like method acted into it just the man deserves way more praise than we get Chris <laughs> she doesn't like him it's okay you know she'll realize that she's wrong one day like I realized I was wrong about Robert Pattinson she'll give up that much I'm mean, waiting to see if she chimes in talking smack. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, uh, uh, the horse that Jamie Foxx has throughout, like, the whole movie is actually his, uh, real life horse that he named Cheetah. He got him, like, several years before the filming, uh, for himself as a birthday present, which I think is cool as shit because. His horse knew how to do some cool-ass tricks in the end of the movie when he was doing, like, the little trots and stuff and everything. And, uh, you know, that's pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet. Um, yeah, so... Um, there's a couple scenes that are real fucked up in the movie. Uh, when they first meet Calvin Candy, he's having a Mandingo fight. And that scene's real fucked up, real violent. Um, and then uh, when they first get to Candyland, there's a scene where um, they're you know going by in their horse and carriages and all that shit, and they come across um, a bunch of Candyland workers that had caught a runaway slave, D'Artagnan, and uh, Calvin Candy ends up feeding him to dogs. Uh, stone cyphers dogs and you you know they show him like starting to get torn apart and the mandingo fights graphic as fuck i found out that they are actually a lot more violent and longer but he thought that it would be way too traumatizing for the audience i mean fuck yeah it pretty much was to begin with with, with with what he left but i mean uh he ended up cutting it down for those reasons um which, I mean, I guess that was pretty good, because, like, the, just as much as he left in was pretty fucked up. So, I mean, you got to be accurate to the times when you're doing a period piece, and it was very accurate. Back then was real savage and fucked up. We all know that. Um, so a cool thing is, uh, that actually ties into that, when they first see him, there's... Um, Calvin Candy, and then the other Mandingo owner that Calvin's having a match against is Franco Nero, who played Django in the original 66 film that this, that was the inspiration for this movie. Um, and they have a little hint at that extra. When he walks up to uh, Django at the bar, he asks what his name was, and he says Django, and he's like, can you spell that? And he spells it, and he's like, the D is silent. And he goes, I know and takes a shot of his tequila and leaves. And I just thought it was the most beautiful little subtle Easter egg 
like right there, a little, you know, hint homage to the, the inspiration in the original. Um, now, Jamie Foxx, I feel, is an amazing actor, but uh, I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of him in the 90s when he was doing like real straight goofy comedy and stuff, like when he had the Jamie Foxx show and everything. I didn't think he was bad, but you know, the movie that really won me over for him was the movie Ray. When uh, that was just like the most amazing portrayal, and I was uh, I love that he did um, you know, all the vocals himself. He's a very very talented man. Uh, this right here is his winning role for me. Like if you don't have if you're a fan of Jamie Foxx and this isn't in your top three for his roles, like even if you're not a fan of the film, like he killed it in this movie, like. This, to me, is prime Jamie Foxx right there. Like, um, it was, it was, it was good. Um, also, you know, Sam Jackson's been, I think, in, like, seven of his movies, so, you know, he always does great. Um, he was the, uh, head house N-word, because we're not gonna be saying that stupid shit here. Um, and, uh... He played just this such dumb, gimpy asshole when in actuality he had all of his cognitive senses and it was just a way to, like, you know, get the guard down around, you know, the, 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 the white guests and stuff. But that man ran that house with a fucking iron fist. I mean, you cannot... I, I can't think of a Sam Jackson movie I've seen that was shit. Like, that man is just... Oh, my God, that man's a national fucking treasure. So we're going to be moving on to uh, my fourth personal favorite Quentin Tarantino film, which was actually his ninth and most current film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, from 2019, starring Leonardo DiCaprio as Rick Dalton, Brad Pitt as Cliff Booth, Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate, Emile Hirsch as Jay Sebring, Bruce Dern as George Spawn, and Al Pacino as Marvin Schwartz. Because that's how he says it himself in the movie. He's, you know, a Jewish agent. And, uh, you know, everyone, they call it, uh, him and Leonardo DiCaprio first meet in the beginning of the film. He accidentally calls him Schwartz a couple times. He's like, actually, it's Schwartz. So uh, then he's talking, like, me, you know, me and my wife were having, uh, or me and my wife, Marianne Schwartz. So he can, you know, overemphasize it just to drive the point in. Um, was just hilarious as shit. Like it was, it was really good. Um, another movie that you know was just star packed with actors. Um, <clears throat> had two really fun cameos in it. Um, did you know Kevin Smith's daughter was in the movie? Like Jane, Silent Bob, Kevin Smith. Yeah, his daughter's in the movie. At one point, when they go to Spawn Ranch. Um, She's uh, actually part of the Manson family. His weird little uh, little little clan he had living out that uh, abandoned movie ranch. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know this for the first time. And um, actually, one of my favorite uh, current favorite scream queens that's been in horror since she was a child, uh, Danielle Harris, full pregnant with both her twins, makes an appearance in the movie and. I'm just a big, big, big fan of her. She's been in uh, the Hatchet films, definitely most recently, which um, if you love splatter gore and shit, like, Primo. 
primo shit. Uh, it's got Kane Hodder. He plays, uh, you know, hatchet face there. Um, yeah, it's a wonderful horror movie. Check that one out. Um, anyway, so um, uh, the Cadillac that Cliff Booth is driving that belongs to Rick Dalton is actually Michael Madsen's move. Uh, Michael Madsen's Cadillac. Um, and he can actually be seen driving it uh, in Reservoir Dogs. He's had that thing forever. Um, sorry, I get distracted when I have to go check off things so I don't read the same facts back. Um, so, uh, as we know, actor Luke Perry from 90210 fame uh, passed away last year. Um Rest in peace. Uh, this was actually his last film uh, before he passed away. He uh, passed away before the premiere, I believe, unfortunately. But uh, what are you going to do? Um, oh, excuse me. Um, so Margot Robbie, who is quickly becoming a favorite of mine, um, especially as Harley Quinn, um, and, uh, you know, if you're a fan of ice skating, check her out. And I, Tanya, playing Tanya Harding. Amazing. Amazing movie. So there's... Phew, just rattling off the referrals for you and recommendations. So, um, anyway, so she plays Sharon Tate, who, um, you know, was uh, involved... Not involved. She was, uh, you know, a victim of the Charles Manson family murders, um, which they alter in this movie... Um, because, you know, Quentin Tarantino is always kind of doing his own version of history and events and everything. Um, which is funny because uh, in this movie, they have um, Bruce Lee because uh, Cliff Booth as uh, a stuntman. And at one point he's working uh, Green Hornet. So, uh, because he stunts for Rick Dalton, because they kind of, you know, look alike and stuff. So, so he's supposed to be a uh, Rick Dalton stunt double when he's uh, guesting on the Green Hornet. And blah, blah, blah. But he lives right next to Roman Polanski, who at the time had just done Rosemary's Baby. And his career was taken off, who was, uh, you know, married to Sharon Tate at the time that the murders happened. Um... So, uh, yeah, Bruce Lee ends up, like, having a little, like, uh, fist fight with Cliff Booth, and Cliff Booth kicks his ass, which actually did happen back in the day. There was a stuntman that did uh, knock Bruce Lee on his ass three times. Don't know how the fuck that happened, but you can look it up. You can look it up, motherfucker. Um, and now, fun fact about that, um, his daughter contacted the Chinese government and got the film banned because she thought it was making fun of her father and poking fun at I don't think it was it was a th it was it was an incident that happened no one's doubting that Bruce Lee's a badass sometimes weird shit happens you know what I mean um maybe he thought that it was just, you know they were going to take it as a spar and the other guy took it a little too far but, you know, who the fuck knows? Maybe Bruce Lee was holding back and everything. Either, you know, regardless, the dude's like the greatest martial artist ever. But so Quentin Tarantino told them to fuck off. He wasn't editing it, editing it out of the film. And I, I think that's good. You shouldn't let 
Like, I, I, I don't really believe in censorship unless it's something actually fucking offensive. Um, but, yeah, having a, a, another country's government dictate your art, that's fucking bullshit. I, 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 I'm glad he stood up to him, and I think it stayed banned over there, but, you know, whatever, the movie fucking did fine. Um, so, George Spawn, who was played by Bruce Dern, um... Bruce wasn't originally cast in the movie. It was actually supposed to be Burt Reynolds. But before they went into uh, full... When they were just in like pre-production, before they actually started filming everything, uh, Bruce Reynolds, rest in peace, passed away. Um, so ended up going to uh, Bruce Dern, who... Honestly, Bruce fucking killed it. I would have really liked to have seen Burt Reynolds play the role... Because uh, Burt Reynolds was another legend that would have been great to be tucked in there, but I mean, Bruce Dern. You know, what I mean, who's gonna who's gonna be upset about Bruce Dern being in something? But he played uh, he played a really great George Spawn. Um, they actually had Squeaky Frome in it, who was like uh, I don't know exactly if she was like Manson's girlfriend or whatever, but um, Dakota Fanning played her. And I didn't even realize it was Dakota Fanning at first because I honestly haven't seen her in stuff a lot recently since she was, like, a little girl. But um, she did a great job. Like, it was really, like, not a role I imagined Dakota Fanning doing considering the stuff I saw her doing, you know, previously. But, like, she she killed it. Like, they just did such a great job of recreating um, Hollywood back in the 60s and uh, early 70s. Um, and I, it, at first it really, the movie wasn't really what I expected when I first, um, I didn't end up seeing it in theaters, um, because, uh, when it came out, me and my wife had just been in a really bad car accident and we were kind of without a vehicle for a little while slash recuperating from being fucking hitting a telephone pole. Um, uh, I wasn't drunk or anything. I got pushed off the road, you know? Um, so, uh, when I first got it on, um, blah, 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 uh, digital and I watched it, I wasn't really impressed the first time, but as I've watched it more and more, I've really come to understand the little nuances of it and how, uh, great a film it actually is. You know, it wasn't really one of his like out there crazy action packed ones, but like, honestly, even just like the last 10 minutes when the Manson family kids uh decided to attack rick dalton first instead of uh sharon tate's place um and cliff booth just fucks them up bust one dude's head text wide fucking open after stomping on it uh he's got his fucking pit bull attacking a couple of the other ones while he kicks the shit out of one smashes some chick in the face that's holding a knife on him with a dog uh dog food can and then it all winds up where this one uh chick after she's got her face all fucked up from getting smashed into a goddamn phone on the wall runs through the glass sliding door shooting a gun off in the air nonsensically falls into a pool Leonardo DiCaprio's character's all like what the fuck comes out with a goddamn flamethrower that he had from a movie he had done earlier right the five fists of McCluskey and just lights her up Oh my god, that just makes the movie right there. Just fuck. Whew, sorry, that movie just that that scene amps me the fuck up because 
like just out of nowhere he just comes out of a pool shed with a fucking flamethrower that's just like shit out of left field out of nowhere like a deer in the headlights just blah, blah, blah. you didn't even see it coming it's fucking great um so we're gonna be moving on to kill bill volumes one and two um they're not two separate films uh, the reason they came out a year apart was Quentin Tarantino filmed a little over a four-hour one one movie that was about four hours long, a little more. Um, studio executives said, no one's going to fucking sit through an almost four-hour movie. What little do they know? Um, so they forced him to edit it down and you know cut it into two movies. And uh, supposedly there's supposed to be a full cut of it eventually coming out, or it got like released real limited edition i can't quite find too much about it, called the whole bloody affair which has like all the extra footage spliced back in and everything just like the extended cut of the hateful eight um which i'm dying to see um i'll sit there and watch a four-hour movie it's fucking apparent i don't care i'll watch it multiple times day after day um so anyways um so it came out in 2003 2004 um, I really wish that they just let him release it as one movie. Um, I honestly like the second part a little bit better than the first part. Um, but the first part does have some really great stuff to it. Um, as a whole, it's just wonderful. Um, so, I mean, if you ever watch it like um, when me and my wife do, you should really just watch one and two together. So get ready for a big, long. Um, so anyways, it's starring Uma Thurman as the bride, David Carradine as Bill, Michael Madsen as Bud, Daryl Hannah as L Driver, uh, Lucy Liu as Oren Ishii, and Vivica A. Fox as Vernita Green, um, which, oh man, in the beginning of the movie when, uh, Uma Thurman and Vivica A. Fox first go at it, like, she's her first stop on Vengeance, that is such a brutal ass scene where they're just in Vivica, well, Vernita Green's living room, just kicking the shit out of each other, glass flying everywhere, and then all of a sudden, uh, Vernita Green's daughter pops up, and it's just like mommy, and like they both like tuck knives behind their back and like gotta pretend like nothing was happening. The dog just tore everything up. Um, I heard that there's going to be a part three, supposedly. That's going to be Quentin Tarantino's last film. Um, they're actually, you know, they've been in... Uh, Uma Thurman said she's been in talks with him. Um, the girl that played Vernita Green's daughter has been in talks with him because apparently he's bringing her back to have, uh, you know, her, like, do her vengeance story and, I guess, come after Uma Thurman. Um, so pretty much the entire movie is... Uh, Uma Thurman's character, the bride, or Beatrix Kiddo, her you know character's real name, um, was part of the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad, which a lot of people think that Quentin Tarantino spurned uh, spurned that idea off of Pulp Fiction when um, Uma Thurman's character Mia Wallace was talking about the pilot TV show she was in called uh, Fox Force Five which was like this like secret agent team with these like, you know, five chicks and whatnot. And um, her character was the deadliest woman in the world with a knife. And Uma Thurman's was like, you know, ninja assassin, you know, with a sword. So it's just, you know, I'm pretty sure he has everything tie in together anyways. Um, 
you'll see that he's always got like red apple tobacco mentioned and stuff and a couple other things here and there or references blah 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 um so anyways um when they were filming the fight scene at the end of the movie oh so sorry i got sidetracked so anyway so she's trying to get vengeance against bill who is like her lover and he ran like the deadly viper assassination squad apparently he was like bosley or like charlie and they were his angels sort of um michael madsen plays his brother bud who is also a part of uh the assassination squad but like they all the chicks in it and everybody were like named after a different deadly snake she was black mamba because she was the deadliest um so it's basically just her coming out of a coma because at her uh, after she found out she was pregnant she ran away from like the life of assassin went to texas started up a whole different life was getting married bill found her um at the rehearsal wedding killed everybody um Way she ended up being alive, um, in a coma. Um, so that's pretty much the premise. It's her waking up and trying to, you know, kill Bill. It's pretty explained. It's pretty, you know, it, it explains it pretty well just in the title. Um, so, uh, anyway, so like when they're, you know, the end fight scene in part one is so fucking ridiculous when she's fighting the crazy 88s, like, um, Quentin Tarantino, big fan of Grindhouse films, you know, splatter gore, not exactly a lot of plot to them. Uh, he has plot to his, but you can definitely see the uh, splatter gore and Grindhouse influences, especially when him and Robert Rodriguez did the fucking movie Grindhouse, where they did Death Proof and Planet Terror, um, <clears throat> which were just beautiful Grindhouse films. Uh, Death Proof, obviously, on the list because it's a Quentin Tarantino film. the last film I'll be talking about in a little bit. So um, in the final fight scene, when uh, before she ends up fighting the full Crazy H88, she fights uh, Gogo Yubara, um, this uh, little like Asian schoolgirl chick that's like 17, 18, that's like a deadly assassin because Oren's been training her because she's also a psychopath. Uh, and she's got this cool weapon that's like this ball and a chain, um, which is uh, a pretty standard old weapon. And what you do is you spin it around and you kind of kick it at people and everything and it's got like this huge weighted ball and hers has like one that's got like spikes that come out and like a buzzsaw that comes out it's fucking cool it's like she clicks a button on the chain and it just pssst. um so anyway so there's this one part where she like uh whips it down and kicks it at uh the bride but when they're filming it she kicked it the wrong way and it ended up smacking quentin tarantino in the face and just missing their camera by like that much um I don't know exactly how fucked up he got by it because obviously it's not, you know, a 20-pound steel ball with spikes coming out of it. So I imagine it still sucked. So either way. <coughs> Sorry, guys. Allergies. Um, so anyways, um, the entire end fight scene where she fights uh, Go-Go, the crazy 88s, which is Oren Ishii's little, like, uh, street gang, and uh, yeah, they all look like Kato from the fucking Black Mask. They just got on, like, suits and the Kato mask, um, but, you know, they all got, like, ninja swords, and she just, like, literally just slices the shit out of them all. And uh, so when she goes to fight um, Oren Ishii, Oren Ishii, uh, which is one of my favorite fights in the entire film. 
uh, next to her fighting uh, Daryl Hannah's character, L Driver, in the second one because of how knocked down, brutal as shit that one is. But when she fights Oren Ishii, it's just glorious. Best thing about it, um, he uh, says to her that, I hope you saved your energy because if you haven't, you may not last five minutes. After saying that, Oren Ishii, dead. Four minutes, 50 seconds. Love it. Never realized that. But, um, so, uh, real quick last one before I move on. The bride's yellow outfit, uh, her biker outfit in the movie, was 100% inspired and based off of Bruce Lee's outfit from the Game of Death. Good paying homage right there. So, uh, oh man, no, last cool fact I have to talk about. Before I switch over, this is going to be my segue, segue into the other one. So, uh, Zoe, uh, Zobel is in the movie, uh, Zoe Bell, yeah, Zoe Bell, um, who was a stunt woman, became an actress, uh, she was Uma Thurman's stunt woman in the movie, and when, um, she finds Hattori Hanzo and gets a sword made for, he throws a baseball at her, and the bride cuts it in half, fucking Zoe Bell actually cut the goddamn baseball in half with a fucking samurai sword, that's badass shit, so, Talking about Zoe Bell, we're going to segue in to her starring in Death Proof from 2007, my sixth favorite Quentin Tarantino film, starring Kurt Russell as Stuntman Mike, Zoe Bell as herself, Rosario Dawson as Abernathy, Eli, Law, uh, the, the, Eli Roth as Dove, Tracy Toms as Kim, and Rose McGowan as Pam. So, um... Basically, Stuntman Mike is just this crazy asshole that likes to go around and kill women by, like, crashing his stunt car into them. Um, like I said, Grindhouse doesn't have to have a great discernible plot, just has to have a lot of gore. This one does. Um, in the first half of Death Proof, he ends up uh, setting up this... What he does is he goes around, stalks chicks for a while, and then, like, slowly gets into them at the end of the night, and then kills them. Uh... So, uh, in the beginning of the setup of the one, is like the best kill in it. So, he offers Pam a ride home, Rose McGowan's character, when they go out to his car, which is just this, like, uh, black charger with a skull with lightning bolts painted on the hood. Um, she goes to get into the seat, and it's literally just this little pop-in seat. The car's all gutted. There's, like, plexiglass with uh, um, little holes drilled in for air and stuff. And he's like, oh, it's a stunt car, blah, 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 blah. These things are death-proof, you know? Sometimes they gotta have the camera right there next to you. Which they do at some points during the movie, so you can see Kurt Russell driving, so it's a nice little reference to how they do things. But, um, so he's driving her, and when they pull to the parking lot, he's like, so which way are you going, left or right? And, uh, she's like, I'm going right. He's like, well, that's too bad. Why is that? Because then you wouldn't uh, start to figure things out too soon. And he speeds off left and everything, right? And so she's freaking out. And he ends up like going like 100 miles an hour. Slams on the brakes. She smashes her face into the thing. And he's driving and just stopping and breaking and swerving over the road. Smashing her all in the car. Um, the reason that she got in the car was like uh, he hadn't been drinking all night. He was just sitting there at the bar eating nachos. Drinking water and uh, seltzer water. And, uh, so he offers her a ride home, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so 
once he catches up with the other chicks, he ends up turning off his lights, speeding by them without them realizing because they're all jamming out to a song and stuff. And uh, he goes down, turns around, starts heading towards them. And right when he's about to, like, smash into them, he puts his headlights on and just literally just drives his car right, like, over and through. You see them just go flying apart. They break it down how every chick gets fucked up. One chick has a tire go right across her face and they show it just shred off. It's a cool done scene. I like it. It's fun. He ends up getting off because he, you know, all those chicks were drunk. He was the only one that was sober. He said they just swerved over into him, blah, blah, blah. He got away with the bullshit. So then he ends up tracking down uh, Tracy Toms and Zoe Bell and everything, and they all work in the movies, and Zoe Bell's over from Australia to visit them and whatnot. Um, And there's this scene... Where they end up taking this like really fancy old car. I can't remember what it was because I don't know cars. Um, uh, so they would take it from a test drive from this like farmer because Zoe Bell's, Zoe Bell's over here and that's what she wants to do. And she found a guy selling it in the area they're going to be in because she subscribed to the newspaper there. And so as they're taking it out, they want to do this thing called like a uh, flagship or shipmast or some shit. I forget the exact term they use. But uh, so they take two you know leather belts and they close it in the doors and then uh zoe bell gets on the hood and she's basically like riding the car standing up on the hood and all that crazy shit but while she's doing that um remember she's a real stunt woman so it's actually her doing this shit and like to have things real and everything they had to have it like up close and actually like going like roaring so like She's hanging on to the hood of this car while they're driving like up to like 75 miles an hour while Kurt Russell's character is like slamming into the side of their car attacking them and shit just to be a crazy asshole. Um, Which I mean if that doesn't just show you that she has more balls than half of us I don't know what the fuck does. But that chick is I mean come on she's cut a fucking baseball in half with a sword. I don't know how many takes it took, but it doesn't fucking matter. Go try to do that. You ain't doing it, man. This chick is badass. And she's a fun actor. She was also in The Hateful Eight. She played uh, Six Horse Sally. Uh, she was the only girl named Sally that you could see drive a six horse team. What a fucking... They had no creativity for nicknames back in the day, apparently, in the 1800s or whatever. Um, so the original title of this movie was supposed to be Thunderbolt. Um... That's a stupid fucking name, and I'm glad they didn't go with it. I'm sure it probably had to do with the weird, like, skull and crossbones that they had for a stunt Mike's car that had the two lightning bolts cross under it, but, you know, maybe that was a reference to the original name. Who knows? Either way, dumb fucking name. Death Proof? That's cool, because the car that he drove was, because he was a stuntman, it was Death Proof. You could crash it, smash it, and not die, because uh, it was all super reinforced for the driver, not Pam. Remember that. So, um, this is the only movie out of his, uh, nine movies that he's done that, um, is in chronological order and has no flashbacks. Um, which it was weird watching that. I actually, uh, the first couple times I watched this, I didn't, why do I keep dropping my pen? Hold on guys. I'm disappearing for a second. I'm back. Did you miss me? Um, yeah, I wasn't really impressed with it the first time I watched it. Sometimes with movies, you know, you gotta have a second chance or so to really refresh things. And like, you know, a year or so later after it came out, I watched it again. And I was just like, damn, this movie's good. 
Um, fun fact, Quentin Tarantino has a foot fetish that he puts into all of his movies. That is why there are always chicks' feet. Dude, why do you think he's got Uma Thurman and all of her things? That guy's like 11 foot. Like, and he's always constantly, dude, look, kill Bill. Kill Bill, wiggle your big toe. If you can't see, I'm looking down at my feet. But it's like, they got this zoom in of her feet, like, right up there. It's like, wiggle your big toe. Like, you know? So, um, uh, not really an important fun fact, but just a fun fact in general. If anybody's familiar with the Wilhelm scream, um, which is uh, this scream from a really old movie that this, like, soldier actor made when he died that... They've just recut and reused in everything. Uh, Star Wars is a prime example. Um, pretty much whenever a stormtrooper dies, when they crash into the tree on uh, Endor, um, happens. So uh, when he first crashes into the girls uh, at the end of the first part, when he runs them over, we hear a Wilhelm scream. And... It's just a cool thing that apparently it's just, you know, it's been used in so much. I don't know why, but, like... If it's just, just been retired, actually, as of The Last Doll, which film will be the last time we're going to hear it in a new movie, they're going to... They have a new scream that ILM came up with. Really? That's stupid. I think the Wilhelm scream is great, man. It's used in so much. It's been used for, like, 40 years. 50 years. Um, so, anyways, guys... Uh, that was Steve's uh, top six favorite. Um, I'll post the whole list of all of his movies um, in order of my like of them when uh, in like about an hour or so on the page. Um, but anyways, uh, I'd like to say a special thanks to um, Razor Streamer, hashtag Razor Streamer for sponsoring this episode. For more Cinephile Saturdays and NerdCon 1, go to www.nerdcon1. This was always collecting something. Thanks for hanging out with me, guys.